I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 87 of the Weave Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Sonia and Steph of Aula Artesana, a retail and learning space located in the heart of Cusco, Peru. Sonia and Steph collaborate with indigenous artisans, communities, organizations, and businesses in the highlands and jungles of Peru. They offer group and custom hands-on workshops with master artisans in hopes to facilitate opportunities for people of different backgrounds to come together to exchange experiences and learn about alternative perspectives through art and travel. They currently have an active Kickstarter campaign to support their project. Their campaign ends in just about a week on November 17th, so I encourage you all to support. Hey, Sonia. Hey, Steph. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi, Thank you for having us. Can you start out by giving us an introduction of yourselves and how you all started Aula Artesana? Sure. Yeah. Um, My name is Sonia uh, and I'm one of the co-founders of Aula. Um, I'm here with Steph, other co-founder, and we're... Hello. Really, really happy to be on the podcast with you. Um, To give you a little background about how Aula started, uh, Steph and I have been living here in Cusco, Peru for almost three years now, um, and we met each other very early on in our time living here. Um, And we began Aula last year. Uh, We came together sort of looking for something to dig our teeth into that had to deal with um, the indigenous communities around Peru and a love of that culture and knowledge and and tradition, um, along with the desire to help others experience that um, through both artisanal products and also through experiences. So um, I'm sure we can get into sort of the ins and outs of Aula uh, throughout this interview, but that's the really quick and dirty. <laughs> so you mentioned that you all have been living in Peru for three years. How did you end up in the area and working with the community? So um, we, uh, hi, it's Steph here. Um, <laughs> we both have uh, our like different stories about how we ended up um, here in Peru. Um, I personally was, I've been living in the region for a few years prior um, in Ecuador and in Bolivia and working with nonprofit organizations um, and especially like focusing on the rights of indigenous peoples. And so I first came here for a job working with a nonprofit in the area um, and yeah, just fell in love with Cusco and, and decided to stay. Yeah, and um, I came down right around the same time that Steph did, and we actually started working for the same organization here in Cusco in the beginning. Um, My story was a little different. I was living in New York City for many years before I moved down here, and then had sort of a a panic in the middle of the night (laughs) and decided uh, that if I was going to move abroad, it had to happen now. Um, And I had actually a really good friend from 
high school who was living and working here and she offered me a, a short-term um, job with the organization that she was working in. So I came down to work uh, for the Fair Trade Textile Program of that same NGO. Um, and then once my short-term contract was up, I just sort of stuck around. Uh, and here we are three years later. Wow, that sounds amazing. Can you kind of talk about the significance of working with Indigenous people of Peru and how, uh, or give us a bit of history of their textile making and practices? Sure. Um, so within Peru itself, there are 55 groups of Indigenous peoples. Um, and Peru is a really, really diverse country geographically as well. So um, groups are in the jungle, in the mountain areas, um, in the highland jungle, and on the coast. And so there is just such a like, rich diversity of traditions um, and art and, and culture throughout um, all of Peru. And um, in terms of the significance, uh, many of many different groups of indigenous peoples are looking for opportunities to share their culture and their knowledge and recuperate it um, and um, also adapt to uh, adapt it to fit um, the tourism market or the retail market or just uh, everything going on today. So um, they are often seeking out these opportunities, but don't have the resources um, to to get things off the ground. So that's sort of where Aula comes in, um, in that we are facilitating those uh, kind of exchanges between people who are looking to connect with local culture and then um, people, the lo locals here, who are looking to share to a much wider audience what it is that they're doing. Hmm. And do you work with a specific group of indigenous Peruvian people or do you sort of work with a vast majority of the different groups that have different practices? Um, we work with various different groups um, in some in the jungle, some uh, in the highland jungle and some in the mountain areas. So um, some of the groups have textile practices um, one that is very close to Cusco, uh, the community of Paracancha, has a very um, strong tradition of textiles uh, in their community. And um, the jungle communities that we work with have uh, more of a tradition of ceramics. Um, some one community in the north creates these uh, black ceramics and another community more in the so the center of the country um, creates the uh, these very detailed hand-painted um, ceramics representing nature. Um, and then with the textiles, they uh, often represent just... So traditionally, textiles were used to tell a story. Um, and so they have a lot of symbology embedded into them. So there will be different representations of nature, but also animals. Um, and each, uh, each symbol is deliberate and means something. Wow, that's fascinating. 
I was looking through some of the things that you sell on your website and one of the uh, textiles that stuck out to me was the Patacancha scarf. And I was wondering if you all can kind of speak to the weave pattern and also uh, maybe the materials that are used. Yeah, um, I love the Patacancha textiles. Um, So like Steph was saying, that style of textile is uh, very traditional to this region of Peru. The, you know, we're in the Andes Mountains. Patacancha is at an elevation of over four, almost 4,000 meters. So um, in square feet, we're talking about like almost 14,000, 15,000 square, not square feet, feet above sea level rather. Um, And these textiles are created on backstrap looms. So, um, you know, this community of fiber artists, I'm sure knows that there are a ton of different sorts of looms uh, that things are woven on. And here, the most traditional, the one that goes back um, not only generations, but but also centuries is the backstrap loom, um, which is tied around the waist uh, with a, sort of a belt. And it's the body of the weaver that actually holds the tension. Um, on the other side, usually you've got uh, two stakes in the ground or they attach it to another structure and that's how they weave and it, there are a number of different tools um, that are that are used to create them um, to me the most incredible one of the most incredible things about these textiles is that all of the patterns and all of the techniques are from memory. So nothing's ever written down. There's no pattern that they're following that's actually on a piece of paper or or written in any kind of you know, verbiage, it's all passed down orally, typically between mothers and grandmothers to their daughters or granddaughters, nieces. Um, and so it's all done from memory. The The actual creation of the weave and the symbology that Steph was talking about. So the very specific symbols of um, nature or animals or um, mythology that, that are specific to that community. In terms of materials, um, most of the communities that are textile creating communities um, are also um, farmers, right? And they have livestock. So sheep and alpaca wool are the ones that are most commonly used um, both in their own textiles and separately as a as a resource that they can also sell. Especially alpaca wool now is such a, a fine commodity and, and a sought-after commodity. And so typically the textiles are made out of one of those two types of wool, um, Sheep can be sheared a number of different times per year. Alpaca can only be sheared once per year. Um, and so that makes the alpaca wool especially special um, within the community and, and also sort of in the general market, which is why it, it's costly. Um, so our patacancha um, shawls and scarves are, are made out of sheep's wool. Um, and then the alpaca textiles that we have are actually from another community um, that dedicates their textile creations solely to um, alpaca textiles. But in the case of Patacancha, they're the the sheep's wool, um, although they do make textiles with alpaca as well. Wow, it sounds beautiful. Can you kind of speak to the basket, the basketry work that you've been able to collaborate with Peruvians? Yeah. So the baskets that we have on our website are from a community called Pama Real. Um, they are 
a jungle community. They are along one of the tributaries, tributaries, yep, to the Amazon River. Um, and the baskets are made from tamish, which is a fiber that's collected deep in the jungle. They live along the shores of the river and they actually will take um, sort of week-long, two-week-long missions into the jungle to collect this fiber. It's then processed. Um, it, you know, you find it as a vine, it's processed, it's cut away, um, and it is sort of, um, yeah, shorn down in a way that makes it usable for textile uh, or for weaving rather. And then um, there's a dye process if they're going to dye it uh, using local plants, fruits, seeds um, to create those local uh, or those natural dyes. And then they're woven into a number of different sorts of products. So we carry their um, handheld baskets. They also make these really beautiful fans. Um, they'll make jewelry. There's a, sort of a whole host of products that they create from the, the woven um, fiber. And one of the really fascinating things is that because it's so hot in the jungle during the day, the fiber will um, become much more brittle in the heat. So all of this weaving has to happen either early in the morning before around 8 a.m. or at night after the sun's gone down 7, 8 p.m. So uh, mostly the the products are created at night because they, they can't be made during the day, otherwise the fiber will break. So um, it's really... Uh, a labor um, of love and, and a lot of determination that goes into to making those baskets because you have to live a whole day and then you have to weave at the very end of it. Wow, that sounds super intense. Very intense, <laughs> yeah. Not, not something that I do very much of in the middle of my nights. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to sort of hear you talk about the various ways that you've collaborated with so many different communities. Can you kind of talk about maybe some of the challenges, if any, in starting and maintaining this pra this project? Sure. Uh, so many uh, of the communities that, that we're working with live very far away and um, are often quite isolated. And so one of like the biggest challenges that we face is um, just reaching them, being able to visit them, to not only um, like get to get to know them and, and for them to get to know us, but to collect the the products and keep like a a regular um, stock here in Cusco. So often we just sort of do whatever it takes. Um, sometimes that involves five hours on a boat down river. Sometimes it's really long bus or car journeys um, to some of the much further away, like further away communities, we would have to first take a flight um, to get there. So we just, as much as possible, um, try to uh, work around that and make it um, accessible for communities because it's for us, um, we do have to, Take, like, take the time um, to do that, to, to visit them um, and to pick up the products. But it's, it's a very important part of it for us because these people in these communities wouldn't be able to come to Cusco and or, or send the products up here. So that definitely um, is a challenge and it just means that we have to be very organized and 
um, make sure that we are putting in orders with enough like time like time in advance uh, to make sure that we have regular stock here in Cusco. Um, and then at the same time, a part of that is also maintaining regular communication um, because sometimes maybe in one of the communities there isn't signal, so we have to wait until um, somebody is in this in like the closest like town or city where there is signal, and then um, uh, yeah, just keep those that communication flowing the whole time. One other thing that I wanted to piggyback on, I don't know if I would call it a challenge so much for us, um, but something that we've come into contact with a lot and, and in talking to communities and beginning to build trust with those groups of people, um, one of the things that we've been told a number of different times is that companies or organizations or people will go to a community with this big idea and they'll say, we really want to work with you and we want to do this, this, and this. Uh, we want to create a whole line of products or we want to bring people to learn what you do or whatever the case may be. And then they never show up again or they show up a few times, but then maybe their funding runs out. And um, a lot of communities have had the experience of beginning to collaborate with an outside group or organization or NGO or what have you, and then sort of just have it disappear. And for us, that's really, really important that we never fall into that category. And so uh, as Steph was saying, one of the big things is actually physically going on a regular basis and keeping in regular communication because we understand that there's this context and, and this background where trust needs to be built and it needs to be maintained. Um, and Peru's got a long history of um, different groups coming in and wanting to do uh, things and collaborate with different communities because the art is so beautiful and because the the tradition is so profound. Um, but it it is sometimes difficult to maintain those close relationships. And so we're particularly aware of of that reality for many of our partners. Wow, that's really interesting. There for a while has been a lot of interest in indigenous textile making and there have been a lot of collaborations that have happened. And so it's it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about the ways in which sometimes these co collaborations don't come full circle. And I guess what I'm thinking about now is um, your Kickstarter campaign, which you have that is set to end on November 17th. Can you talk to our listeners about what you're working on and how supporting you can kind of help support keeping those collaborations alive and supporting these communities? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the Kickstarter campaign itself is so that we're able to move to this um, beautiful, bright space in the center of Cusco, which has so much room for us to be able to not only fill with our partners' products, but also help to tell their story in the way that they want to tell it. So um, there's so much space for descriptions of the products and how they're made and photos from the communities where, where they're made and the people who are doing it. Um, and not only is it going to be um, a place where people can uh, buy the products, but it's, it's, there's a, they're going to be able to learn more about um, where they come from. So we are hoping to be able to hold 
workshops there. Um, for example, we work with a family in the Highland jungle who have their own tea plantation and we're hoping to be able to serve tea there in the cafe. Um, and then like perhaps like run workshops there where people are able to learn um, how the tea is produced, but then like different combinations of tea. Uh, maybe even like some of the weavers that we work with are able to do um, sort of shorter, smaller demonstrations there uh, in the space itself. Um, so that's really, and that is the larger like Aula vision. Um, it is supposed to be about connecting uh, a, a space where people can connect um, from different backgrounds and, and really um, have that intercultural uh, exchange. So that is our grand goal um, with the Kickstarter campaign. And yeah, we really want to build this space um, into this, uh, this, I mean, it, it will be a store, it will be a cafe, but this cultural center where people can come and learn and share. And we're really excited. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds exciting and it, it sounds like you all have a very beautiful foundation that you're building on. So I'm excited to see um, how this project grows. Do you have any workshops that you're currently hosting or working on now? Yeah. So in September, we held our inaugural um, textile retreat. So we had a group of nine makers and artists, both in the fiber arts community, but also outside of it, who came down and joined us for a week of natural dyes and textile making and also natural dyes and textile making and also really good food, <laughs> a week of, yeah, retreat, but also workshops and learning and sharing. And we spent a lot of time in the community. We had a, an alpaca shearing ceremony, which was a really special experience to, to get to take part in. And um, after that September trip, which was just a big success, we have uh, continued to release dates for that particular workshop. We've got another one coming up in May, one coming up next August. Um, and we're really excited. That one happens right around Cusco. And then we're working on more workshops as well. So uh, we've got another textile workshop in the works um, around Lake Titicaca, which is a, the highest elevation lake in the world. It's on the border between Peru and Bolivia. Um, the family that we we're talking about who raise alpaca and, and who make these most beautiful alpaca textiles. We're partnering with them for that workshop. Uh, we have sort of a gastronomy-related um, tea and coffee and chocolate one that will be a little bit further down the line. But like I said, we really like to eat, so we're really excited about that one. Um, but the idea is that we are as much as we possibly can, put that we can put together workshops for all of the partners that we collaborate with because like Steph was saying, the whole sort of point of Aula is not only to bring artisan goods to market, although that's a really important part of it, but the sort of grander vision and mission is to bring people closer to the stuff that they're buying. And so workshops and photo series and descriptions and storytelling, all of that is so key to what we do. And the workshops are also really fun. And, uh, you know, they're learning experience, but it's not like you're in a classroom, right? You're, you're out in a field full of alpaca or you're, um, you know, sitting next to your weaving instructor, spending the day um, switching off and, and learning from one another, even though 
there's a language barrier and there's a cultural barrier. Um, so they're they're really rewarding and and awesome experiences. Um, and hopefully everybody loves them as much as we do. Um, but particularly for fiber artists, I think it's really special to get to learn a, a tradition of fiber art that doesn't really exist, well, doesn't exist in the U.S. at all, that tradition, um, and is is very specific to Peru and to the tradition and culture here. Um, that's that's something really special and, and unique. Awesome. Sounds amazing. And can you share with people how they can find you on social media and the internet to, one, support your campaign, and two, to also see all of the beautiful, colorful images of the communities that you've collaborated with? Yes. Uh, so you can find us. We are the most active on Instagram. <laughs> you can find, um, and there it really shows all of the work uh, we're doing. We center our partners. Um, the So all of the content uh, there is about them and, and the products that they make. And you can find all the information about the Kickstarter campaign there too. We are also on Facebook, we have our website um, as well, where you can um, find about so much more information about how we work and who we work with. Um, but there's an also link to our online store there too. Yeah, you really can't avoid the Kickstarter campaign right now. So wherever you look, <laughs> there it is. Um, but yeah, like Steph was saying, Aula Artesana is our handle on Instagram. Our website is aulaartesana.com. We're on Facebook as Aula Artesana. Yep. You, if you look, you <laughs> will find us. You can't avoid us. Awesome. Amazing. Um, so before you go, I do have one question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, and that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Um, wow. This is so, um, or in this case, we could say, you know, lovers of indigenous craft. Yeah. Okay. That's easier. Because <laughs> neither of us are fiber artists. <laughs> yes. Not we, yet. We not just, yet. We have such an appreciation for it though. Um, yeah. Supporters of indigenous artists. I would just say, um, just keep supporting them. Keep seeking out um, organizations and businesses that are bringing uh, those goods to market. Um, and the more you support um, Indigenous artists, like the more they're able to um, continue uh, reviving all of that cultural knowledge, but also earn a living from it um, and be able to share it uh, with, the, with the rest of the world. Yeah, and I would say for weavers and fiber artists, just like all creators, um, you know as well as anybody that the, the learning is never over. And I feel like Steph and I right now are in a crash course on everything, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> how to run a business, how to talk about, um, you know, handmade goods and products, how those products are made, how to collaborate with different communities, how to um, host people from all over the world. We're in a constant how-to learning moment. And I think that uh, for weavers and creators and makers and business owners and humans in general, um, it's all about seeking out that next learning opportunity and also asking for help. Um, 
I'm so lucky to have a business partnership that is so um, fruitful and that when I'm struggling, I can ask. We as a business have had incredible help and support from our community, um, not only our friends and family who are sort of obligated to support us, but also people who have just found out about us and resonate what we do resonates with them. And, and we get so many positive messages every day that, um, that are just really heartwarming. And, and we know that we have a community behind us where if we need something or we need help, or we don't know how to do something, um, we can reach out for that. And so, um, everybody else should do that too. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Amazing. And I did have one question that I didn't get a chance to or didn't think to ask earlier. Um, What does Aula Artesana mean? Or is there a translation for for the name? Uh, Yes, there is. Um, It doesn't sound as good in English, though. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it means (laughs) artisan classroom. Um, So it sort of encapsulated everything that we thought of when we when we were first um, dreaming up Aula, that we wanted this learning element um, combined with um, artisan goods. Um, and also it just sounds really nice um, <laughs> in Spanish. So uh, it all just came together. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you all so much for joining the podcast. This is so much fun and so educational. Thank you, LaShawn. Hope you get to visit us sometime. Uh, And if not, we're so happy to be able to connect this way to you and, and to your whole community. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Aula Artesana and how to support their campaign, you can find links to their website in the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode 87. As part of their campaign, which is ending November 17th, they're offering to those who make a $50 no reward pledge, one skein of tricolor merino silk yarn, hand dyed by Pakinku yarn. Also, the Harvest Cow pattern from designer Vanessa Black. All you have to do is send a message mentioning that you heard about their episode on the Just Yarn podcast, and it will be shipped to you directly from Peru. Next week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Mariela Motea, a Mexican-born artist who studied at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, where she found herself circling back to her ancestral roots of textile making in Oaxaca, Mexico, where she now lives and works. So stay tuned next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving!